If you've ever wondered how to keep yourself and your kids happy and healthy for life, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the Move Better Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Turner, a physical therapist, strength coach, and former cheerleader and coach. In this podcast, we talk all things related to living a healthy life filled with joy, peace, love, and lots of cheer. Thanks for listening. Now let's get on with the show. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Move Better with the Move Better. Uh, today I have with me Rick Olderman. Uh, Rick is a sports and orthopedic physical therapist in Denver, Colorado, and he has written the book uh, Fixing. Nope, I wrote it down. I wrote. It. I'm going to let Rick talk about. Pain. We're going to talk about pain today um, and uh, how to heal pain naturally without using medications and surgeries. Um, he's written a number of books. And uh, I'm excited to learn more because this is all well within what I like to talk about and uh, how to avoid pain and to be able to move better without needing to use the outside sources. So welcome, Rick. Thank you for for having me, Laura. First of all, tell me me the names of your books because I had it here. I know Solving the Pain Puzzle is your new book that's coming out. Yeah, that, uh, that uh, that includes cases of my last 25 years that describes my approach to solving pain and uh, is a really, I think a really nice introduction to understanding how uh, I look at things in terms of a systems uh, approach, as opposed to typically how we're trained in physical therapy, which is more of a component uh, approach. And so uh, the previous six books I wrote are all part of the fixing you series. So you, you, yes, you almost got that right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, and so those were written maybe 10 or 15 years ago to describe the uh, mechanics of pain from a systems approach and offer exercises to solve those issues. However, over the years, I've gotten a lot of people who said, Hey, you know what? I really love that story about, you know, Debbie and your book, you know, what, whatever happened to her kind of thing. And so I, I decided, you know, let's flip this on its, on its head and write a story of or a book of case studies featuring the people in their lives and then how this information helped them, how I employed it. Awesome. Six books. That's incredible. <laughs> um, Seven uh, now. <laughs> excellent. Um, so tell me a little bit more background and how you got into, how you got to where writing these books and where you're at and uh, where they, how you started, et cetera. Yeah. So I I think uh, the most important thing is that I was a failure as a PT (laughs) right out of PT school. So I went to work at a small rural clinic here in Colorado and, you know, I could help people with acute issues and simple issues, post-surgeries, pre-surgeries, strains, sprains, things like that. But when it came to chronic pain, Laura, I, I just, I was a failure. It was hit or miss whether I could help someone. And I didn't understand. It was like, someone had changed the, the whole rule book around with these kinds of patients. And so I was sunk into a deep depression for years because of this. And then finally, I, I moved here to Denver, went to work at an elite health club downtown. And immediately, my schedule was filled with people with chronic and nagging pain. And I'm just like, you know, these were all well-to-do people. And I was just like, holy smokes, it's not just me. It's, it's, all of medicine is having a hard time with chronic pain. And so that's when I realized, you know, I got to figure this out. And that's my first person I, I turned to was Dr. Shirley Saruman, who uh, has been researching and studying movement impairment syndromes for decades, wrote a couple of textbooks. So I read both of her textbooks, took all of her seminars, and that completely transformed 
my practice because I, I all I felt that movement, how people were using their bodies, must have something to do with their chronic pain. And but that's not the way that most physical therapy is directed now. And so I started with her, and over the years I've found a couple of other major influences that have really helped me drill down into this idea. And I wrote the books because at, at when I my first series of books, because at the end of her last seminar that I took with her, I had made friends with a PT along the way. And we both graduated at the same time. I said, hey, how's this information working for you? And he says, eh, it's okay. I'm just like, what? What do you mean? This is solving really difficult pain. He says, yeah, but I'm a manual therapist. So, you know, I, I might use it for a home program or something. And that's when I realized that we medical professionals are filtering the information we're receiving through our belief systems. Mm -hmm. This person's patients would never receive the benefits of movement-based or movement impairment-based treatments and diagnosis because he felt that he has to do some type of thing with his hands to solve people, people's problems. And so I thought, oh my gosh, I've got to write books about this so I can do an end around these practitioners so mm -hmm. people can get this information directly. And that's why I wrote that first series of books. Awesome. Long, long story. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a great. Uh, and I, uh, I used to, I, I liked Shirley Starman when I was first out of school, and I just have I just have gone in other directions, not and forgot. And you said her name, and I was like, wow, oh yeah, I forgot about her. Um, so thank you for reminding me that. Um, yeah. So what is the fixing your pain method or? Um, how, how, like, how does it work and in, in what way, because someone comes to see you with chronic pain, are you just like, oh, you're, you're moving wrong. You need to get up and go do these exercises. You need to just start moving. Like, tell me more about that. Like, this, yeah. So, uh, uh, it would be easiest to, to kind of demonstrate and do a little test for back pain so people can understand really what this is about. So, uh, if everyone let's let's assume you know if if everyone could just lie down on the floor on your backs with your legs straight and it can be on a couch or your bed too if you can't get down on the floor but lie down there with your backs with your legs straight and you can run your hand underneath your low back and feel the, you know the space between the floor and your back if you want and now what i want you to do is bend your knees so your feet are flat on the floor or if you prefer you can hug your knees to your chest and you'll notice that your back is flatter to the ground but you'll also notice that your back feels a lot better like this in most cases. And so that's the first part of the test. You've just found that when your legs are straight, your back doesn't feel as good as when your knees are bent and your back is flatter. So the second part of this test now is to stand up and listen to the next five minutes of this podcast. And what you'll notice is after about the next, after about two or three minutes, your knees will start locking backwards. Okay. So if they haven't done that already, it's only been like 15 seconds, go ahead and lock your knees backwards. And now Feel what your back feels like here. And now unlock your knees and feel what just happened to your back. And if you're not sure, lock your knees one more time. And you'll notice that when your knees are locked, your back is more arched and there's more tension in your back. And when your knees are unlocked, then your back is flatter and there's less tension in your back. So what is this telling us? Well, the first test is telling us that the, one of the fundamental patterns behind your back is that it's too arched or that you have too many forces pulling it into an arch. And then the second test is telling us that your normal way of standing after a minute or two of standing is to lock your knees. The locking of the knees then causes your back to arch excessively, which is contributing to your back pain. Mm -hmm. 
So what the fixing you method is about is solving the behaviors that we have that are leading to the tight and weak muscles that are causing our pain. So when we have our legs straight or our knees locked, it's not so much that it's, it's only half the answer is to say that the back is arched more. The other half is saying, but what is arching it and why? And, and so what that is are the muscles from your legs acting on your pelvis, which is then arching your back. So ultimately, the, the thing that is hurting your back are your leg muscles. You have to solve the leg muscles in terms of their tightnesses and weaknesses. But if you don't solve the behaviors that are causing the tightnesses or weaknesses, you will be doomed to re rinse and repeat for the rest of your life, right? That's it in a nutshell, is understanding the behaviors and the, the, the consequences of those behaviors and fixing both ends of those spectrums. So are you talking behaviors like your your brain's choosing to go into a hyperextended, overstraightened knee position uh, because it's... Be uh, because of prior injury or whatever, mechanically, it's just telling it to go into that? Or is it a conscious choice? Like, how are, are you, like, is it, you're doing a little bit more cognitive based, like thinking to change position versus loading into a position, I guess, is, because that's a cue that I, I, I try to give lately as i'm stuff i've been learning is like instead of trying to force the position to to take yourself out of that arched back you know see what happens if you kind of let yourself allow it to go there instead of you know and changing that instead of like okay i'm consciously going to push things into it Did that make that question flow <laughs> um, yeah so so the answer is uh, all of the above <laughs> yeah so basically you know so locking the knees is an energy conservation move so as we lock the knees, now we don't have to use our muscles, right? So that's what's happening with standing. But locking the knees is also happening from while walking. And that's the primary thing that behavior that people are doing that's contributing to a lot of the lower body dysfunction that leads into back pain. So uh, that uh, is a result often of the shoe wear that we're wearing because we wear shoes with thick heels. It allows us to, have, to shoot that foot out in front of our bodies and strike the heel harder while the foot is in front of us. Well, what happens at that moment is that the knee then locks. And then when, once that knee locks, all those lower body muscles are turned off. And so you don't, you're not using the muscles to propel yourself anymore. You're using momentum. And so this has a series of ripple effects in our lower, lower body chain, kinetic chain. But in, in your example of, you know, getting them to relax into a less arched position, it, it, you'll find that it's impossible to relax into a, a less arched position unless you unlock those knees. So that's one of those fundamental behaviors that will allow the back to relax and allow you to relax. You, it's hard to relax with your knees locked, right? Yeah. Yeah. So forcing it. So, and this gets into a big thing with a lot of physical therapy is that like uh, uh, what I hear from people is, you know, how's your compliance for your patients, you know, when you're working with them and are they doing everything you're asking? Uh, absolutely. 100% they're doing everything that I'm asking because we test and retest in the clinic. So I only give them something that they know will solve their pain. And so that's, I think something that we don't do so well in physical therapy is we throw a whole bunch of exercises at, th at people 
don't explain how it relates to their pain. They don't, and people are confused. They don't know if it's working. And that's why we have such a high compliance rate and success rate. Yeah, I think I, I, that's exactly, uh, I agree. I think we screw the, you know, well, you've got, you've got back pain. So you're going to do these exercises and it's extension bias. So you do all the, these exercises here and instead of these and, you know, but give them a thousand exercises. And I agree. I don't like to do that myself and, you know, what's helping. And I was, I mean, sometimes you don't, you know, you want to give something that like, does this, is this actually helping? Like we can do it in the clinic, but then you get home and whether you're not doing it correctly, you know, can you change that? And if you're doing a thousand exercises, you don't know which one is the actual trigger for something. If it's something coming back and not helping hurting more. Uh Absolutely. How many patients have you had walk in with a, you know, a handbook of exercises that they've yeah. been given by, you know, 10 different therapists over the years and they're doing all of these. And I'm just like, oh right. my gosh. And you're still yeah. coming to me. Yeah. Let's throw those out because they're yeah. clearly not helping you. Let's start yeah. over and make it simpler. Yeah. Um. So one thing I want to clarify, uh, I want to clarify for myself. So it's normal to straighten your knee. You, like when you walk, we, like your leg should be extended when you heel strike, but it shouldn't be hyperextended. And I think that's where like not locked and not locked into extension. And is that what you're seeing? Like, so as you swing through it, push off and then sw like swing through and flex to extend it, it's extending as you're swinging through and then you land in heel strike. It should be straight, but not locked and not hyperextended. Is that... Does, do you agree? Well, I, 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 I mean, it's, it's kind of like a splitting hair type of how straight is straight, right? Yeah. So if you're, if you're trying to lock that knee straight, or if you hitting that heel is locking the knee out, then it's excessive, yeah. right? So really the, the, what I have found, Laura, is that most people are walking sending their leg out in front of them, heel strike, and come forward. Well, at the moment of that heel strike, in I'll say 99.9% .9 of the cases, when the heel strikes, the knee immediately locks, which then turns off the gluteal muscles and biases the hamstrings to be the propeller, right? So now they come over their leg like this with the knee locked, and they've missed the benefit of the gluteal control of the pelvis, the spine, and the tracking of the hip. Uh, joint. So what I uh, teach my patients is when your foot is coming forward, your body should be coming forward with it. And if your body is over the foot at foot strike, I don't care about whether it's a forefoot, a rear foot, a midfoot, I don't care. As long as your body is over the foot at foot strike, your knee will, will not have that locking force acting on it. And whether it's straight or not, I don't really care. What we're, what we're solving is that you're not putting a force on it that is causing it to do this anymore. Now it has a choice to be unlocked or it can be straight, but it doesn't have the force that's pushing it back any longer. Okay. That's the thing that's, that matters to all of this whole ripple effect in the kinetic chain. Yeah. So, be, so, being, able, so being able to transition the, the trajectory from a straight knee to a flexing knee as you heel strike into foot flat, like that you don't stay straight completely locked through the, through this entire foot contact cycle. Um, Correct. Yeah. And, and a lot of people are, and I mean, you, you the gluteals cannot turn on 
in that environment. And that's the precipitate of a whole bunch of ramifications. Yeah, yeah 100%. What kind of exercises do you do for that? Like, do you do, because I do a lot of like weight shifting into like training, you know, okay, tighten your thigh, relax your thigh, find extension, come out of extension, um, and then weight shifting in and out of the different phases. So what kind of um, exercises are you doing with them to correct, for instance, this, if we talked just yeah. You know, I, I, I've pull, I try to pull all medical speak out of it. Yeah. And, and, you know, so what I, what I tell them to do is have you ever ice skated? You ever notice ice skaters have great big butts, you know, well, let's, let's go into ice skating and I have them put their hand. First, I show them that their butt isn't turning on. So what I do is I, ha- I say, put your fingers on the mid, on the middle of your butt, pinch your cheeks together and feel that that's your maximum contraction. Now relax it completely and walk for five or 10 steps. Do you feel any of that contraction happening? No, exactly. This is the problem. So now, now they know what it feels like to, for it not to work because otherwise they have no clue whether they're, they're helping. So then I say, okay, let's do a little bit of ice skating. So we're going to get down in our little ice skating crouch and we're going to ice skate around the room. Can you feel some firmness underneath your butt? Oh yeah, I can feel that. Great. That's how your butt should feel when you're walking. Oh my gosh. That wasn't happening at all when I'm walking normally. I said, you're absolutely right. And that's why you're, that's what we got to fix. And so then what we do is we start with the ice skating. And then I just have them gradually come up taller and taller and, you know, and keep continue ice skating. But, you know, bring your body up straight. And eventually at some point, that glute will start turning off again. I said, well, that's that's as far as you can go right now. But your goal, of course, is to walk upright so you don't look like you're ice skating in public, right? So that's your homework is that uh, next time you come in here, you're going to be ice skating upright. So it's an easy way of there's no breakdown. There's no complex medical terminology, weight shifting, extension. Flex, I don't care. Let's just get the butt to turn on because yeah. everything is working correctly if that butt is, is getting turned on. So why not just focus on that? And so that's one method. The other method is just doing tiptoe walking. If you walk on your tiptoes, uh, people will instantly feel your butt turning on. All right. And the reason is you cannot tiptoe walk and have your foot out in front of you and heel strike and lock the knee out. The knee has to be softer. The foot, the body has to be aligned over the foot, a foot strike. And those are the two elements that turn on the butt with tiptoe walking. And then what I have them do is just gradually bring the heels down. And you'll notice that once your heel is down, your butt continues to stay turned on because you're changing how, how you've walked now. So whichever way helps them is the easiest for them, but keep it simple, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I like how you get them tuning into their, you know, like, can you feel this? This is what it's like when it's turned on. This is what it's like when it's not turned on. And, and because I think that sensory awareness is lacking and yeah, Yeah. you know, and just the awareness of what tension feels like versus what normal movement feels like and, and all of that. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing I do, Laura, is, you know, uh, once they realize that they're locking their knees, I say, OK, we're going to break this this habit for you. And I usually do this before I do the gluteal walking, because yeah. if you can't walk without locking your knees, then you won't get the gluteal walking ultimately. So yeah. let's start with unlocking the knees. So what I do is I put a little piece of tape on the backs of their knees when their knees are bent. And then anytime they lock their knees, they feel that little tug of tape and Oh, what a great trainer. You know, now they don't have to think about anything. They just have to feel right. 
And so we do keep that tape on for usually one to three days. And by that third day, they've got it mastered. They are no longer locking their knees. Time to do gluteal walking. So have you you found that you can, uh, that you've, have you been able to work with that? It sounds, yes, you have been able to work with a lot of people with chronic pain. So has your, uh, you said you were at the beginning of your career was really kind of going into a funk that's obviously changed. How, how are you able to help people chronic pain? I mean, changing how they're walking is, is one thing, but is it helping up and down the chain? Like I have a little bit more into the, the chronic pain and how they avoid surgery and medications and all that stuff with this. And Oh yeah. So, so walking is a central behavior, right. Uh, to, for any kind of back and any kind of lower body issue, no one got out of our clinic without learning how to walk. Hmm. But of course we would also, as a consequence of that walking behavior, there then create tighter, weak muscles that then act as lever arms on vulnerable tissues. So that would also, for instance, let's talk about, uh, well, I think an interesting one, we've just talked about back pain and that an extension pattern is, is the cause of most back pain and st- you're standing and so forth, how you're locking your knees is contributing to that. So let's talk about a unilateral side back pain and sciatica. All right. So what, what's going on with unilateral back pain, which means back pain on just one side of your body, or if you have sciatica on one, one of your legs or a side joint, usually what you'll find is that uh, the pattern is that that side of the pelvis, you will usually be higher and the same side rib cage will usually be lower. So I call this a side bending problem because doesn't that look like they're kind of just side bending? So what happens is when the pelvis elevates and the rib cage lowers, we create increased compression on that side of the spine, which then irritates the sciatic nerve roots, of course, going down the legs. So it's really easy to fix this pattern. But really, we have to understand why it's happening in the first place to solve this from a long-term perspective. So usually in 80 to 90% of the cases, this pattern is occurring because of some older problem in this leg that your brain is trying to get off of that problem. Because our focus has been to get from A to B, not how to get from A to B. Mm -hmm. And so your brain is saying, oh, you you want me to run this 5K race? Okay, well, okay, I I can get you there, but this is what we're going to have to do to do it, right? So it's going to tap into an ancient reflex that we're born with called a withdrawal reflex pattern, which will hike the pelvis up. The same muscles that are hiking the pelvis up attach to the rib cage. They're they're there for pulling the rib cage down, and that allows you to unload that leg more so you're not hurting it all the time. And that's, that's fine, but eventually... Gradually, you start to develop this unilateral back pain, sciatic pain, and so forth, which ultimately is due to an unresolved problem on this side that your brain has said, I've got to figure out this puzzle and get off of the side. So that's, that's a larger pattern of, of issues. So uh, that's another, th- that and the extension pattern are the two patterns that cause almost all back and sciatic pain, the extension and the side bending pattern. Yeah. Very easy to fix but you have to understand the source of it. Right. Do you look a lot at uh, history, like previous prior history that you do? Yeah. Oh yeah. The history will tell you where the problem is. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, what's really interesting, Laura, is once you understand, I mean, you of course understand how important the history is, 
But once you see things as a system and people are, let's say someone comes in there talking about, you know, oh, I've got this right sciatica and blah, 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 blah. And they've given you their whole history, but they haven't mentioned any other problems right down here. I said, well, you know, what about, uh, haven't you had any older, you know, ankle or knee or hip problems? How did you know that? You know, it's always, how did you know that? They think that you're some kind of wizard or something. It's, well, that's the only way that this is happening, right? Your, your brain's just trying to get off that old injury. So we got to figure that out. Right. And if they don't tell me, it'll come out in my exam anyway. Yeah. But it's, it's nice to get them to start making those connections. Yeah. I, I, I find it frequently that, you know, oh, no, it's not related to this at all. And, you know, uh, I broke my toe when I was two. It has nothing to do with the fact that, you know, my back hurts on the other side now or whatever, you know. And, Absolutely. Um, okay, yeah. that's fine. That's good. But thank you for that information, you know. Right. right. And, and, and truthfully, I, I think a lot of clinicians, whether physical therapy or physicians or whatever, it doesn't matter. I don't, I, I don't, we can't spend our entire time talking about past medical stuff, but I think it's really important to know because it is possible that your toe and your, your opposite shoulder are connected because of mechanics of how you walk. And, you know, maybe that's not the direct cause, but if you don't correct that and you don't correct what's happening in between there, it can be, lead to a problem. But I think I get frustrated, even like taking my parents to a doctor and they're like, Oh no, that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't correct. I'm like, well, it might. And like, just, just write it down and just like, we can put the pieces together. So yeah, I, if that's and, a piece that frustrates me, like, I think we need to like, like, yeah, maybe that's not the direct cause, but it could be a contributing factor that will feed into the dysfunction. So, well, here, here's what I find out, you know, I, I'll make a, a note of that and I'll mention it. And if I get pushed back on, I'm just like, that's fine. Let's just go ahead and fix this stuff. And what I find eventually is inevitable, inevitably. Once we fix, let's say that uneven pelvis and we start fixing all of the problems down the chain, if they can't do what I'm asking them to do, that old injury will pop up again. Yeah. And if it doesn't, then we don't have to worry about it. But if it does, then they say, oh, this is that old injury, isn't it? I said, yeah, this is what I was mentioning. And that way it's, you know, I don't try to force something down someone's throat who doesn't really want to hear it. You know, they just fix my pelvis, would you? Right. You know, right. okay, right. let's fix it. Right. Okay. <laughs> let's fix your gait pattern. That's fine. We'll fix all of this stuff. Gosh, why isn't this sticking? Well, I think it's because of this old injury you've got. Right. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. very true. <laughs> um, I, on your website, you, you had, um, you're a Hannah somatic or somatic. Yeah. That? What is, look, tell, tell me more about that. Well, that's a great question. That's like my secret sauce. Yeah. So, uh, like I mentioned, I started off with Dr. Shirley Saruman, and I learned a lot about biomechanics and movement impairments from her, but there was a limit to what that information could solve. And so, as you know, as you get better with what you do, the next tier of patients starts knocking on your door. What about me? Mm -hmm. And so that's when I discovered Thomas Meyer's work in uh, fascia research. So his, have you read anatomy trains or looked at that? I've, I've, I have it. I've read through it. I haven't read the whole thing cover to cover, okay. but I, yeah, fully. But you get the idea that we have these huge super highways of fascia running from our head to our toes, right? And so that information helped me start looking further away from the from where the pain was to understand where the pain might be coming from. 
But then the next tier of patients started knocking on my door again. And these people seemed to have like a battery that was supercharging their bodies into these patterns of dysfunction that I was seeing both fascially and biomechanically from Dr. Saruman. Just like, what is going on here? I can break up this pattern, but it keeps coming back. Even if I fix all these habits that are causing it, it keeps happening. And that's when I discovered Thomas Hanna's work. So he addresses neurologically based tension. And guess what? It occurs, he identified three patterns that it occurs in that are identical to Dr. Shirley Sarman's three patterns that are identical to Thomas Meyer's fascial superhighways. So once I saw that these neurological patterns were identical to these other two researchers, I was just like, holy smokes, this is it. Now I've put it, I see it all. It's all going to fit together. So what I do is, uh, you know, I, I fix things. The fixing you method really is fixing all three of these elements of dysfunction all at once. It's very simple, but recognizing that there's a neurological based battery that's charging us up into these patterns of dysfunction is a very helpful way. And once you get that to release, oh my gosh, I mean, people get better so much faster now because of it. And so just to give you an idea, one of those patterns is what I just described, the side bending pattern, right? So that's due to that old withdrawal reflex pattern that we're all born with. But as we grow, our, our, our uh, brain overrides that because we can't go around the day reflexively responding to every little thing in our path, right? So we override that with our uh, frontal cortex, but we have that, the, the hard wiring is still there. And because we're so good at ignoring things in our bodies, that hard wiring, we tap into that to get off of problems and create all of these compensation patterns. So anyway, it was fascinating. And that's, that's what I use now to, I mean, anyone with chronic pain, I use Hannah somatics as either my starting point or somewhere along the line to solve their pain. And it's not, is it a manual technique or it's a movement-based combined with? Yeah, it's a movement-based manual technique. Okay. Interestingly. Cool. Yeah. So it, it's really cool. And uh, what it's doing is it's re resetting. I don't want to get too geeky on it, but it's resetting the, the muscle spindle uh, apparatus in our muscles so that we're not, so it's toning it down so that it's not so set so high. And so it, it doesn't trigger this reflexive spasm uh, yeah. so easily. It's deeply relaxing. And uh, it's, it's been a miracle. It's been, it, it, it's been the thing that has pulled all of this together. You know, it's all meaningful. I'm going to have to definitely check that out. Um, cause I think that, um, I, I do some neuro testing, neurokinetic therapy and do some manual muscle testing. Um, but I do think like with chronic pain, especially, a, um, a lot of the people there, they've been, I don't know whether it's the pain has gotten them there or their kind of their sympathetic nervous system is just on high alert all the time. And it's develops chronic pain, whatever came first, like, they're just so jacked up that until you can kind of quiet things down, nothing can get to the next level. So um, I, I find that fascinating. I definitely want to look into that more. Yeah, it's it's and and not only will it calm it down, Laura, it's going to calm it down in the pattern that is causing people pain. Yeah. So it's not a global calming down. I mean, it can be, yeah. but it's a very directed and specific pattern of calming. 
that you've identified in your in your exam. Yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, so good luck it, finding good luck finding information on it too. By the way, yeah, I imagine I know because <laughs> it's, it's nearly impossible to find any information on hand somatics. Yeah, so uh, you know it, it's a three year study. Oh wow! Uh, every every six months you go for nine days yeah. and you study for nine days there, and uh, it was a long arduous process. Uh, but I knew that the keys to solving chronic pain, the most difficult chronic pain were found in these techniques and ideas and yeah. it made me a better practitioner what are your uh, and if you're most most of you listening i think are or i perceive to be uh people that i work with and clients and uh um right not physical therapists necessarily um so if you're listening to this and this is a little bit too specific bypass it but the, but but this is very common right now or fast forward if you want um pain science um there's a i haven't studied much as far as the new pain science and how uh, we manage pain but we're we're doing a lot more education as far as pain as a signal it's not necessarily that that's the the trigger or the the that there's something wrong it's just a signal to your brain saying hey change something and change a pattern how does that play into any of what you're doing um, and does it um, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by it, but in some aspects I'm a little put off because I don't like telling people that's it's pain. It's all in your head. Like, and I've heard that before and I, it drives me crazy. So I'm with you. I mean, I, I, and, and the degree that you express that is the, the exact degree to which I use that. So okay. pain is a signal that something is wrong now. I don't care whether it's been going on for 20 years. It doesn't mean that something 20 years ago happened and now something else has changed. Something is wrong now. And if you fix that thing now, your pain will be gone now. And I, I feel uh, a lot of all of this rhetoric around pain science, and I'll, I'll just say it bluntly, I just feel that it's, an, it, it's just creating excuses for us not to try and really solve a problem. Yeah. Oh, we're going to blame it on this and that pathway and this pathway and, oh, you need to accept this and. Blah, blah, blah. No, no. Pain is a problem. There's something going on right now. We have to solve it. And, and it's your job to fix it. And I, I took it as my job to fix it. And so I was not going to try and excuse if, if I was failing at helping someone, that was on me because I did not have the tools. And that's what my career has been is gathering those tools and putting it together in a cohesive paradigm that not only can help me solve other patients pain, but the therapists too. I've trained all of my therapists to use it at the clinic. They've all within six months, they're like master clinicians. They can solve anything that's walking through their door. And none of them are saying, oh, well, this is due, you know, this, they're not invoking right. all that pain science rhetoric to create excuses not to solve something. Right. Good job. I'll probably <laughs> catch a lot of flack from that, but yeah, me too. <laughs> I mean, I I, I've, I've, I I've just found that I I mean, once you understand how the body works, you can solve just about all pain, you yeah. know, and not to say that that doesn't mean that the solution isn't a surgery. If you've solved all of the issues that you can solve to cause pain and there's still pain, it's usually because there's either a structural issue that's unresolved going on 
or there's another system of issues like a dietary allergen mold issue or a psychological, emotional, or spiritual issue that is stressing your system and, and contributing to this. So it really helps once you understand how it all works together, you can really quickly get to the root cause very rapidly. Yeah, I, I like that whole body, like whole person, not just body, not mechanical yeah. body, but whole body approach. I think that, I think, I think we miss that a lot in our physical world, physical therapy world. Yeah. Um, uh, Oh, you had a good point, and I wanted to go. Oh well, it's gone. <laughs> um, you're uh, welcome to my world. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're are you um, you're teaching other physical therapists too now? Uh, and, and yeah, right. so uh, I created a program to train my therapist, my new therapist, in the in the in the techniques and the all 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 the mechanics and everything that that we that I use to solve pain, the fixing your method, basically. And so what we, there's also, so I, I've created a, a CEU course for that. It, it offers 30 CEU credits in most states. So it's pretty oh, substantial. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, uh, uh, and, and that is the, um, that gives you all of the thinking, the exams, the, the way to interpret the exams, the exercises, an exercise grid to prioritize the exercises you know, everything that you could possibly need. However, of course, they can't teach the manual somatics techniques. Yeah. And uh, I can't, while I, I show videos of the taping techniques I use that are specific to this approach, uh, you know, there might be some fine tuning that you might need, you know, things like that. So I've also created a manual portion, a module two uh, course of this, but I haven't had enough people take my first course to warrant me offering the second course yet. So, but I, I do have a second course that I've created, but I just haven't implemented it yet. Oh, but, but anyone can learn this, Laura. And this is the thing I, I truly believe is that uh, anyone from coaches to surgeons needs this information because we as physical therapists are often the last people in the chain of events that to see these people. And if a coach, I mean, if it's about movement and understanding how the body moves and works, this is a, a coach, personal trainer, yoga, because that's who these people are going to first. If all of them understood this, you and I would be out of a job and I would be happily out of a job right. knowing that there is no more chronic pain in the world. Right. And so, uh, but anyway, it's appropriate for anyone, but it offers physical therapists specifically a lot of CEUs. Which <laughs> Massachusetts just uh, started we never had to take CEUs in Massachusetts, but now with the uh, nationwide uh, licensing, they've uh, decided to do that. And I, I support it hundred uh, percent. I've always thought it's important for us to take it. And I just didn't keep track of them, but um, so, and, and you have to get 24 in two years. So that covers your one course to covers you, you know, yeah, Colorado, it's 30, a lot of States it's 30. That's why I shot for 30. Yeah. You know, smart. So. Yeah. Um, the, the thing that I had forgotten before about pain, um, you know, a lot of times people will come into the clinic and so, you know, how can I help you? What do you want to be able to do? What's your, what's your functional deficit? And that's, you know, always trying to go like, what can we, how will you know you're better? What will you be able to do? Well, I'll be out of pain. And so, and I think that we try, and I, I try to be like, okay, well, what else, what if I can't get rid of your pain? What do you want to be able to do? And people that's, People, people are struggling because they're living with 
significant pain that limits what they can do. And it's, and if, and that's, we need to be able to handle their pain and not just brush it off and go away. And so I, so to tie it in, I think it's good. I think we need to spread this message, um, you know, that there are ways to manage chronic pain and make that pain go away. So you don't have to live in pain um, and don't have to take medications and surgery and can find a way to get around that. And, and we do still have to address the pain, even though pain may be a pattern and a signal, it's still important to address it. And because um, that's what people, that's what people want, you know, they're coming to us to, for help. Um, and we need to be able to do that as on top of the function that goes with it. And ideally the function is going to come along with that too. You know, I never use the term manage because, you know, to me, it means, oh, that means that you're, I'm going to have pain. I'm just going to have to learn how to manage with it. I always say, let's solve your pain then. And I, you know, that's how I like to start my, my sessions with people because I want them to know that I have confidence that we'll solve this pain because I do. I know how they've been treated prior to seeing me. They've been treated using this component thinking approach. This is why they have chronic pain. It's not because they're broken. It's because they didn't have the right information. So we're going to do better than manage it. We're going to solve it. And this is how we're going to do it. And from that very first session, people know that they are experiencing something completely different than anything anyone has ever told them before. And it works. And that's frankly, Laura, I mean, you know, I, I've been doing this for, you know, what, 27 years now or 26, something like that. And I have never talked about it and I never spoken up. It's not in my nature to get up in front of people like you and toot my horn, you -hmm. know, but I feel like now I've tested this clinically. I've trained all my therapists. They get the same results that I do. They all see miracles on the table. Like I have, and they are no longer afraid to treat neck pain or headaches or back pain or sciatic. They understand exactly what to do and they solve it almost every time. And so, you know, that's why I'm finally feeling like, you know what, I've got to get this word out. I, I can't be quiet anymore because it's just because it makes me feel uncomfortable, you know, because if I'm quiet, then other people are just going to continue to suffer. And, I, you know, so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to sound a little more cocky than I normally present myself, yes. as, which is very uncomfortable for me. But, I, you know, that's, that's, you know, so no, that's, but, that's why I can say, it. you know, let's solve your pain. Yeah. Let's not manage it. You know, I like, I like that word. I like that. Um, you know, I think words matter too. And yeah, um, it's an area I struggle with in general, but I think it's very important. Um, and, uh, so, uh, I'm going to, I will, I will, in re I will introduce solve or substitute solve for manage. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 Like Boy, you, you'll make your, your patients will be instantly happier with you if yeah. they know that you're interested in solving rather than managing. Yeah. Do you, do you think that uh, this is the, how, how long does it take for, for you to solve somebody's pain? And I don't think there's a def- definite, you know, finite, like two visits and everybody's, you know, but is there an average? Um, it, between one to three visits, I expect at least 50% improvement. So that tells me I'm on the right path. And if I can get 50%, then I can usually get 100%. Yeah. But if I don't get that first 50%, then I'm probably, if someone comes in after the first visit and they say, 
because my question is, are you feeling better? Yes. What percent better? I want a number. And if they tell me 10 or 15, I think they're lying. And I tell them so. <laughs> I said, look, you're not here to make me feel better as a therapist. We're here to solve your pain. So how much better are you really feeling? Oh, okay. Well, blah, blah, blah. Right. That means that we're not on the right track. Fortunately, because my exams are comprehensive exams that uh, test the whole system, I have a plan F, you know, I have A, B, C, D, and F. So I'm ready to go and I can solve, you know, three to five things in one session. Okay, let's see how this goes after today. And again, 15 to 20%, oh, we're off the wrong path. Because really what I've found, it's like when you remove that rock from that garden hose and you suddenly get water. That's what it is when, yeah. and that's what chronic pain is. It's a rock that someone hasn't found yet, right? And so if we can just move that rock for them, they'll instantly get that water to their garden. And that's the way it, that's been my experience with all chronic pain. I don't care whether you've had it for 50 years. Right. That's the way it works. That's a great analogy. That's, that's you know, and uh Finding finding the cause and and finding the root cause and changing and changing mechanics. Oops, um, different office. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, that's yeah, I like that. Um, what is your uh, so? What's your new book? The Solving the Pain Puzzle. How to yeah. like, um, How's that? So solving the pain. Yeah. yeah. So so the there are cases from twenty five years, and there are cases from head to toe, of of chronic issues and really explains this approach to solving pain so that people can absorb it rather than getting caught up with which muscle is doing what, what is my bone, what bone is it, you know, not getting caught up with all the medical speak, right? So this is just about people and, you know, and, and how, what the system is, what this approach is and how I applied it to different types of cases. And uh, I, I, frankly, I think it's a wonderful book because not only, Will people learn, you know, new information in it? But it, my deepest desire is that it gives people hope and direction to go. Oh, no one's ever looked at me. Looked at that in me. I wonder, you know, I wonder if I can, you know, try this guy's home program or something, or, 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 you know, can I take this book to my practitioner and have them read this chapter? Would they understand what's going on? You know, that that kind of thing. So. Uh, it's my, it's another attempt by me to give people information and hope to, to solve their pain and let them know that there is an answer out there for you. They, they just don't understand that they've been looked at by component thinking therapists up until now, you know? Yeah. And that's, and component thinking is great for acute issues. And, but chronic pain is a different type of phenomenon. And you have to think differently than how we've been trained. Uh, before we wrap up, because uh, can you define what you mean by component? Yeah. Like, so in physical therapy school, how many tests did you learn to identify, you know, what exact tissue is damaged in a spine or a shoulder or a knee? Those are components of the body. Those are tests designed to, to tease out the tissue that is damaged. We're really good at that with physical as in, as physical therapists. We've got a million tests that tell us what tissues are damaged, and if that doesn't work, we've got 
x-rays and MRIs and CT, CT. We've got tons of tests to tell us what is damaged. We have zero tests that tell us why it's damaged. And that's what my approach is about, is not only understanding the damage, but it figures out why it's damaged and tells you, and once you solve those reasons why, and the examination that I teach my therapist is all about the whys behind those, behind those uh, selective tests, right? And so when you understand those whys, you know how to fix pain. Yeah, that's component thinking versus systems thinking. Right. Um, that that flows with even, I, I definitely think you go much deeper uh, into the systems end, but I I try to look more at the systems versus components. Like the components might give me some information, but um, trying to look at the at the whole system and how it's moving is. And, and you know what, Laura, this is this is the problem is that there's a lot of people like you and me out there who ha- who have tried to look at it like that, right? I mean, I, I, I hate to toot my horn, but I've got a lot of, I've put it together. So, yeah. you know, if that's what you really wanna learn, I've put that information together now. And so you don't have to try anymore to find what these things are. Right. I've put, I've mapped it all out. I've put it together. It's easy to follow. It's, you get amazing results. And, you know, I, I, I wish, and, this information won't help people pass their national PT exam, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so I don't blame instructors for not teaching it because you yeah. can't put this kind of stuff on an exam. Right. But, you know, after you graduate and once you realize that you're struggling with chronic solving chronic issues, then it's time to think maybe I need to learn a systems approach. Right. Because I, I guarantee this is what you're missing as a therapist or right. coach, yoga instructor, doctor, surgeon, whatever, doesn't matter. Chiropractor, massage therapist. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and and not for the lay person, you know, I frequently hear, you know, I want to know what's, what's going on. I have this pain. I want to know what's going on. The doctor just makes me keep coming back here. And I, but I want to have an MRI. So that tells me what's going on, but that's not necessarily, it's going to tell you what's happening at that one spot, but it's not going to tell you what your body's doing as to why it's happening. So that's, yeah, uh, and this is, but, and that's where I put like the MRI into that equation too. Is, yeah. uh, you know, even if I suspect a tear or something, I say, you know, here are all the problems that I'm finding. We're going to solve all these problems together. If you don't have success very rapidly within three sessions, I expect fifty percent better at least. All right. If we don't see that, then we're going to start considering this MRI for you. All right. And then if I've solved all those problems and their pain hasn't changed, then I'm pretty darn sure that whatever's showing up on that MRI is the real source of the problem. But I don't let that happen until I've solved everything because usually it's not the real source of the problem. Right. I, I think this, that your system is, uh, that's, it's great. It's good. And I'm, I'm hoping we can spread the word and, uh, you know, it gains traction because I think that you have a great message to spend or to send to share um, and so good job for stepping outside your comfort zone to, to get there and do that. If people want to, to reach you for treatment, um, I, and I have all the information, but tell, tell us where, um, they can find you 
and how to reach you for treatment first. Sure. And then, uh, you know, the other for, for therapists looking, you know, is there different contact info? Yeah, my, my name is Rick Olderman. So if you go to rickolderman.com, and that's older man, opposite of younger woman, <laughs> and you'll find everything that I have there. You'll find my downloadable home programs. You'll find my practitioner course. And I've, I've also posted a few chapters from my current book, Solving the Pain Puzzle, on there that you can read or listen to me read if you want to see if it's a book that you think you might be interested in. And uh, it's available on Amazon. And so I've got a blog there. I've got some free stuff there. So, um, you know, those, that, that's where I would go for, for everything. Perfect. And that'll all be in the show notes. Yeah. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, I, I really appreciate it. Um, is there anything that I, that we missed that? Uh, no, I that? think we got it all. I think uh, it, it, to me, uh, it's such a breath of fresh air to talk to. So Laura, I've never talked to other physical therapists other than the ones that I hired at my clinic. Because yeah. I've always had my head down in my clinic in my own little treatment cave, you know, yeah. for 25 years. Yeah. And to talk to another physical therapist, you know, like you, it's so refreshing for me. So thank you for having me on and, and being open to hearing about something new. I I appreciate that. Yeah, it's been, it's been a pleasure. I like it. And I'm, I'm going to dive into it a little bit more. So because um, I, because well, I, fun. Same thing. I enjoy talking with people. I think it's like, and the more we can get the message out there that there are ways to avoid bad medications and surgeries, you know, and keep healthy, I think is important. So absolutely. Thank you very much. Uh, everybody have a wonderful day. Don't forget when in doubt, breathe out and take life one step at a time. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the move better podcast. Don't forget to rate review and subscribe. If you learned something on this episode, please share it with your friends. And if you'd like to work with me on your journey towards healthy movement and fitness, please go to www.movebetterllc.com and schedule a free discovery visit to discuss your goals. And there you can also find all of our free guides. Thanks for being part of our cheer team. Remember to live life with pure joy and love and with extraordinary cheer.